From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me today. Uh, we have a great show. Danny Shaw, Professor Danny Shaw is going to be here. Uh, he just got back recently from a trip to Haiti. Uh, that is a situation that never gets enough coverage. I'm also guilty of it. I get it. Um, uh, doesn't get talked about nearly enough uh, for various different reasons. Obviously, currently, there's a lot going on, so it's really hard to keep up uh, with all of the conflicts and craziness that's going on in the world, but uh, we're going to dive into, he's been doing a lot of work in Haiti for a very long time, 25 years plus, I think. Um, so we're going to dive into his recent trip there, the current situation, all of that good stuff. So uh, we'll be bringing him in momentarily to do that. Um, but I do just want to do a couple quick things here at the top of the show. First of all, oh, <laughs> here we go again. So the Senate has passed a $95.35 billion bill uh, that will give Ukraine another $61 billion to slaughter some more Ukrainians, gives Israel $14 billion to slaughter Palestinians, and it gives Taiwan $4.84 billion to continue provoking China. What could possibly go wrong with this? So um, it has passed the Senate. I think it's going to run into um, some... Uh, <sighs> some issues in the house uh new, new speaker of the house uh mike johnson has said that he is almost i think he said that he may not even call it to a vote um it doesn't include anything for the border as far as i can see i think that that was a big uh hanging hang up uh for republicans and in particular mike johnson so um i don't know what that means but what uh what i can say for sure is that uh again i don't know how much difference phone calls make but y'all call your house members call them call them call them call them uh keep calling them this is insanity y'all we have um i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tirade here because i just keep getting so unbelievably frustrated watching these billions of dollars being shoveled um to faraway countries to blow people up for profit we have so many issues in this country, I don't know what to tell you. You're you're here in the United States. If you're in the United States, you're here. You know, you see it. We it, we're a mess. We are a hot mess. We can't even take care of ourselves. We have the homeless crisis is completely out of control. Um, there are kids going to bed hungry. Our education system's in the toilet. Infrastructure is in the toilet. Um, we are we're, we aren't even like a proper country at this point. And we're sending billions of dollars to faraway countries to fight proxy wars. It is pure insanity. And it is in, infuriating to me the way that they are so blase about it they're so it's very flippant i mean listen how many times have we heard them uh you know if we talk about uh, doing anything literally anything that helps the people of this country whether it's healthcare or improving the education system fixing roads helping the people of lahaina in maui uh helping people of east palestine in ohio helping the people in flint michigan who still don't have clean water or the numerous other countries or counties uh and cities across the country that don't have clean water um, every time there is a conversation that is uh, had about helping the people of this country, all of them clutch their pearls and gasp, how are we going to pay for that? Are you joking? How are we going to pay for that? How about we just blow up a few less people this month? How about we do that? It is mind-blowing, the level of death and destruction that we are responsible for. And that's not just, again, it's not, I, I really wish 
And I'm sorry I'm getting so fired up, but I really wish, actually, I'm not sorry. I really wish people were able to make the connection between how foreign policy is directly connected to domestic policy. All of that money that we are spending, we could be spending here at home. All of the bombs that we are sending, we could be using that money for uh, so many other things um, that are actually productive and that help people and that, you know, do good things in the world. Um, and it is just so infuriating to me that we have yet another bill, yet another $95 billion another 95 billion dollars is going to be shoveled out to the war machine again uh, Boeing is uh, having a party right now Lockheed Martin is doing cartwheels that's the only people that this benefits it benefits none of us it doesn't benefit you it doesn't benefit your kids your family your neighbors it doesn't benefit any of us it benefits the people in power um, and those that own them that is the only people that benefit from this stuff and it is infuriating to me that we have to keep doing this and that we keep seeing this money just it's not even being shoveled it's being bulldozed out the door fast Faster than we can. Uh, there's no conversation. I've yet to hear any of them clutch their pearls and say, how are we going to pay for that when it comes to war? Not a single time. Uh, and you have people like Elizabeth Warren, who claims to be against um, uh, the funding for Israel, but she's going to vote for it anyways, because it includes money for Ukraine. So she's fine with funding a genocide because she supports the funding for Ukraine. It is just ridiculous. And she's not alone. There were a couple other people. Who was the other one? Um, Van Hollen, Senator Van Hollen, also uh, voiced criticism of Israel, but decided uh, to vote for the $95 billion foreign aid package. It's not foreign aid. It's ridiculous. Um, it's just, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just really fired up about this because it is <sighs> repugnant. There's not a word strong enough. There's just not a word strong enough for the way that we conduct our business in this country. Our economy is built on death and destruction, and it's gross. Um, and we are currently, I don't even know how many countries we are currently occupying. I don't know how many genocides we're currently involved in or helping or aiding or funding or arming. Um, you know, we're arming Nazis. I mean, it's it's just an all for the name of profit, profit and power. That's really all that it comes down to. And it just makes me sick. And I, um, I don't know how we put a stop to that. I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, but this country is it's a dumpster fire. It really is a dumpster fire. This is what we're doing. This is what we're spending $95 billion on right now. Really? <sighs> so infuriating. Okay. All right. Let me get myself together here. I'm so angry though. I really am y'all. Um, okay. Don't forget. You can follow me over on the tweeters. I rant a lot there too. Uh, at sarcasm stardust, check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day with links so that you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. Um, guest idea, show idea, I love those. If you just have a question, comment, rant, whatever, hit me up, uh, and I'll try to get back to you. And if you are enjoying listening to TNT, and I know you are, I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, if you think we're doing a good job, let us know. Uh, you can leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, and Getter, uh, and that helps us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk, TNT. The facts. No spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies. We need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, the Israeli Defense Forces, otherwise known as the IDF, I like to call them the IOF, um, they have accused a prominent journalist who reports regularly for uh, Qatar-based Al Jazeera from Gaza of moonlighting as a senior Hamas commander, but of course they are. Uh, here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Everybody's Hamas, Ruckus. You're uh, uh, Hamas. Everybody's Hamas, right? Well, you, you, how convenient that now we got journalists who are Hamas, right? Crazy, uh, right? Just 
Hmm, maybe we can follow up with that. Let me just give the report because uh, I believe there's some other news in that department too. Uh, but yes, um, apparently the IDF uh, is claiming that a mm-hmm, surprise, surprise, Palestinian journalist working for Al Jazeera is simultaneously working as a, not just a random member of, but a senior militant with the Hamas group. Yep, they've got some images to prove their point, apparently. Uh, that's incriminating, according to them. Uh, this allegation was put forth by uh, on Sunday by Lieutenant Colonel, oh goodness, I'm so sorry, Aveke Adrei. Uh, this is an Arabic language spokesman or the IDF, who published assorted images, like, you know, what it looks like when you put a bunch of different images in one post so you can see them all up there. Uh, they allegedly, purportedly, show uh, this network reporter by the name of Mohammed Washa handling military hardware. Uh-oh. And it was during apparent Hamas training exercises. You got to do some, you know, mental gymnastics here from what I can tell. Uh, but anyways, regardless, the weaponry Washa is said to have handled included a mounted RPG and associated homemade warheads, as well as crude, a crude strike drone. This is very interesting. Uh, but the claim by Adrai is, and I'm quoting uh, this spokesperson, quote, in the morning, he's a journalist on the Al Jazeera channel and the evening, a terrorist in Hamas with an exclamation point, uh, end quote. Uh, the incriminating imagery was apparently, supposedly, reportedly uh, recovered from a laptop that was seized a few weeks ago from a Hamas compound in the north of Gaza. Uh, that's the claim from the spokesman. Uh, documents recovered from the laptop indicated that the journalist was actually a quote-unquote prominent commander of an anti-tank unit with Hamas, huh. as well as a member of its air unit's research and development group going all the way back since late 2022. Uh, that's the suggestion from Adri. Uh, the spokesman also hinted at more revolutions, uh, sorry, revelations about alleged Hamas militants who are disguised as journalists in the near future. He writes, quote, who knows how many details we will reveal about the presence of other terrorists in journalistic garb in the near future, end quote. I guess he was kind of hinting there might be further drops, as it were. Uh, Washa has been featured in multiple Al Jazeera broadcasts from the region in recent months. Um, and all of the reports that I've looked at say that neither the broadcaster nor the reporter himself have offered any public comment on the allegations. Maybe that has changed. Uh, we'll see. Hours after Adria E leveled the accusation against the journalist, the Knesset... <coughs> Randomly, coincidentally, who knows, you know, here's what they did. But the Knesset advanced a bill that would empower government to shut down foreign media operating in Israel and confiscate their equipment should the country's defense minister deem an organization to be, quote, an actual harm to the state's security, end quote. The bill has been colloquially referred to as the Al Jazeera law. And it's widely viewed as a tool against the Qatari-based network, repeatedly attacked by top officials over supposed anti-Israeli activities. I could go on, Misty, but I think you get the point. Uh, nice timing on all of this. What do you think? Well, it's really convenient, uh, you know, as they're killing over 100, I think we're up to 126 journalists so far. 
uh, that now they want to label journalists as Hamas. I think that that's a very convenient, and we've seen them do this before. And listen, uh, the the uh, Al Jazeera being in Qatar, they, they've already, uh, Israel's already gone after the Qatari government asking them to, um, I forget how they phrased it, uh, they wanted them to uh, basically silence them. They wanted them to like kind of uh, tamp down their their coverage of the situation in Gaza. Uh, and then right after that was when um, Wael al-Dadud's um, uh, family was slaughtered. Um, so it, they listen, there's no question about it. Israel has been targeting journalists since October 7th. And before then, let's not pretend this is a new thing. We all saw in broad daylight the way that they slaughtered Shireen Abu Akla and then attacked her funeral. Um, this is nothing new. They've been attacking journalists for a very long time, decades. Um, never in the, these numbers, obviously the 120, I think it's 126. It depends on who you ask. There are varying different um, sources on the number of journalists who, who have been killed. Um, some say it's uh, like 60. Others say it's 90. I The most I've seen is 126. I would say it's probably even more than that. But um, it, it, this is not a surprise. And the idea that, um, you know, they want to pass this Al Jazeera law to shut down uh, foreign media in Israel and in Gaza is ridiculous. They're already doing that. They're already doing that. We've seen that. They um, it, Even CNN had a very difficult time getting into Gaza. And then even if you get into Gaza, you have very limited access to anything. We all saw the video where they um, you know, they created the little weapon stash that was supposed to be from Hamas. And we all saw the way that um, they proclaimed to have found some tunnels under the graveyards um, that they desecrated. Uh, and then when the journalists ask if they can see the tunnels, they're like, oh, no, 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 it's dangerous. You know, I'm reporting from a war zone. I'm pretty sure I can handle a tunnel. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. And Israel, this is the way that they have attempted to... Um, you know, controlled the narrative for a very long time. They just murdered two more journalists, I think, uh, uh, earlier today in Rafa. Uh, there's videos. I'm, uh, go watch them if you want, but it's they're very, very difficult to watch. Trigger warning for sure. Um, they're, I mean, they have been targeting journalists the entire time um, and they will continue to do so. But I mean, it, <laughs> it's just they're Hamas, right? I, I have that image of Oprah in my head. You get a car, you get a car. You're Hamas, you're Hamas. That's really just the excuse that they're using to justify their genocide at this point. But what do you think? Adam? Uh, I think I'm going to stop being called a Russian bot before you know it. <clears throat> Who knows what they'll call me? It might start with an H. Uh, I hope not. But anyway, so yes, you're right. That's what I was going to bring up is that, you know, even right after this was news, there was other news that, you know, there there was a correspondent who had his leg blown off uh, who works for Al Jazeera. And uh, I don't know what's up with the cameraman who also got hit, but um, I hope they're gonna make it uh i had the, the guy's name ismail abu omar uh lost a leg as a response uh result of this newest attack on these dangerous threats to national security otherwise known as journalists um actually crazy to me that's what's that's the that's the part about the bill that i'm i'm that sticks out to me is that the country's defense minister can just deem an organization to be quote an actual harm to the state's security end quote so they pass this bill they label uh this one particular journalist as a terrorist um i'm guessing that the next time we meet up misty will be reporting on the death of this journalist Probably. Very likely. Very likely. I, I hope not, but very likely. Yeah. Um. And I actually, uh, the video that I was talking about what is, was of the one uh, that you just mentioned who had his leg blown off. Again, 
I, it's hard for me to recommend people go watch this, but I really think people need to see it. Like you need to see what is happening here. This is real life. This is what's happening. Amanda's had his leg blown off. Um, and another guy was, uh, wounded horrifically. It looks like he has a head injury in the video. I'm not sure to what extent. Um, but that's, listen, again, this is not new for Israel. They have been doing this for decades. They have been targeting journalists and medics and school teachers and you name it for decades. This is just, uh, the escalation of that. And just like uh, they have with everything else, they, uh, are just trying to justify the genocide at this point. I think especially with the um, the court case, the ICC case, or I'm sorry, the um, ICJ case, um, uh, they have the two months to investigate themselves and prove that they're not com uh, committing a genocide. Um, if they dislabel all journalists Hamas, then they have free reign to just murder them all because they're terrorists, right? And I think that that's really what they're trying to do here. And it's sick. Uh, so thanks for bringing us the story, Adam. Hopefully we will not be back with a story reporting on the murder of that journalist. We will hope that that doesn't happen, but unfortunately, very likely. But we will talk to you again tomorrow. Hang tight. We're going to be right back with Professor Danny Shaw right after this here on today's News Talk. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rounds. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I just I just did my eighth test. Oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk. TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming, and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. All right. Our guest tonight is Professor Danny Shaw. Professor Shaw teaches Latin American and Caribbean studies and race, ethnicity, class and gender at the City of University of New York. I'm sorry, City University of New York. Uh, he holds a master's in international affairs from the School of International and Public Affairs at Columbia University. He is fluent in several languages and works as an international affairs analyst for Telesur, RT and other international news organizations. Tonight, we're going to be discussing his work in Haiti. He just recently uh, returned from a trip there. He's done a, a pretty extensive work there. Uh, for a very long time. Um, obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is a situation that has been uh, really tenuous for a long time, but has been escalating in recent years um, and is not getting near enough coverage. So uh, we're going to dive into that and more. Uh, so Professor Shaw, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for the uh, invitation, Misty. 
Yeah. Well, listen, uh, when pasta asks for a favor, pasta gets what he wants. <laughs> so that's uh, Craig Jardula, who is a mutual friend of ours. Uh, uh, it made the introduction, mentioned that you had just uh, returned from Haiti um, and was trying to ask uh, his friends in independent media to invite you on. And so uh, pasta is a dear friend of mine. Uh, I'll do just about anything for him. So when he asked if I would have you on, obviously the answer is yes. So and of course, uh, talking about Haiti is always a great thing. It does not get enough coverage. Um, so before we dive into the specifics of the situation, there on the ground. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background in Haiti, uh, and how you got involved in all of this? Yeah, in 1997 and 98, I was uh, an undergraduate student in the Dominican Republic, and I was a witness to so much abuse and apartheid-like conditions of some half a million Haitian immigrants surviving and living in the Dominican Republic. That's what first brought me to Haiti. In 1998, I've been studying uh, Haitian Creole since then, and the mainstream corporate media is not offering an objective view, surprise, surprise, or an anti-imperialist view of, of Haiti. So I've been working with different community organizations and peasant organizations trying to get the word out about the popular struggle down there. Yes. And that's, um, no, again, as you kind of said, surprise, surprise, uh, the mainstream media is genuinely awful on most issues, but in particular this one, I think that the coverage is obviously very skewed. Um, and, uh, we often hear, uh, in the coverage of Haiti, we often hear, oh, it's a poor nation. It's the poorest nation, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, frankly, I don't think that they're a poor nation. I think that they're probably the most exploited nation. <laughs> I think that that's pretty clear. Um, but uh, why do you think that this doesn't get, uh, as much coverage um, as some of the other conflicts. Obviously, there's a lot going on there. I mean, you, there are plenty of uh, conflicts to choose from, uh, but it seems as if Haiti always is on uh, the back burner of situations to talk about, not just in mainstream media, but also I've noticed in independent media as well. Yeah, that's correct. If you listen to CNN or the New York Times or Fox News, the adjective, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere always precedes the treatment of haiti but i agree with uh how you framed it it's the most misunderstood country it's the most exploited the most depressed uh country in the western hemisphere it's always been abundant with resources and precisely because of this natural wealth it's been punished it's been blockaded there's been three invasions and occupations spearheaded by the united states in the past 100 years and now they're trying to use the Kenyans and the uh, Bahamians and the Jamaicans as a proxy force to lead the fourth intervention in Haiti. There's a massive movement across Haiti against this uh, intervention. The main uh, issue right now, too, is the quote-unquote gangs. But the, all my research since 2021 really indicates these are not gangs as we would understand gangs in the United States. These are paramilitary outfits. These are death squads. These are mercenaries. They're armed to the teeth with U.S. guns. Uh, they're closely connected to the PHTK, the dictatorial uh, party that's been in power since 2011. So that's been what I've been trying to unravel through investigative journalism and in thousands of conversations with Haitian grassroots and community organizations. Yeah, and we often hear quite a bit about the gangs and the gang situation there. And I mean, listen, as I said, uh, Haiti has had to deal with quite a bit of uh, unrest, corruption, exploitation, etc. Uh, but it seems like this, the, the latest... Um, 
I don't know, the latest spark for the current situation uh, was the assass- the 2021 assassination of the uh, former president, uh, Jovenel Moise, uh, who, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, very clearly uh, uh, was taken out for obvious reasons. Um, and that seemed to really create a power vacuum. And that's what we're seeing now the gangs are taking advantage of. Um, and uh, it, it, the political situation there has been tenuous at best. I think uh, last year, the beginning of last year, I think that there was... Um, uh, there was 10 remaining senators. They left office. They're, they haven't had elections since 2016. And even then, there was only 20% turnout. Uh, in 2020, all local offices expired. The last time the Supreme Court met was in 2022. Only five of 12 seats were filled. Um, and then, obviously, you have uh, Ariel Henry, who was selected as prime minister. He was never confirmed. Um, and he, But he's remained in that position, which is weird because they don't have uh, – the prime minister is typically the head of legis- uh, the legislature, which they don't currently have. Um, so the the there's like a political vacuum there. What is the current political situation in Haiti? So the PHTK, the ruling party, it would be translated as the all Haitian bald headed party because their first leader, Michel Martelly, was this famous uh, musician and he was bald. So they thought that that would be a clever idea for the name of their political party. It speaks to their lack of professionalism and seriousness. It is a flight from Hillary Clinton. She goes down in 2010 and, and, and decides in representation of the State Department and the foreign policy establishment that Michelle Martelly will be the next dictator. He, like you said, the elections were extremely corrupt with extremely low participation. When his term is up, his man is Jovenel Moise, who you mentioned, that's who was assassinated in 2021. I was just returning from Haiti when he was um, assassinated in uh, on July 7th, uh, that, that summer, 2021. There was a massive movement in anti uh, colonial movement and anti-neoliberal movement. Millions of Haitians were in the street and the popular movement has never recovered. Uh, really the government, the state and the state department in the U.S. used the assassination of the part that the head of state of Jovenel Moise as an excuse, as a carte blanche to clamp down on protesters. And then they uh, decided themselves unilaterally that Ariel Henry would be the next prime minister. He was never elected. So it's three iterations now of the same dictatorial party, the Haitian bald-headed party. They don't represent the people. Uh, They're detested by the everyday people. But these have been the U.S.'s um, lackeys, the, the yes men that the U.S. has put into power. And it's this government that has all types of shady connections to these um, war chiefs to these mercenaries, this half a million, uh, over half a million U.S. guns that I've helped to document that are awash in Haiti. And that's what fuels this frat- fratricidal violence against uh, innocent people. Already this year, we're talking about thousands of deaths, uh, assassinations, kidnappings, entire neighborhoods that are burned down. So I was staying in a community called Solino. I'm I'm here in the Bronx now, in the South Bronx, and I think Solino is kind of the South Bronx of Port-au-Prince, a community of 100,000 people, and they have to man their own uh, barricades to fight against these paramilitary outfits who are trying to invade and torch their entire neighborhoods. So right now we have half a million uh, refugees in Port-au-Prince with this government, the bald-headed party, uh, doing nothing. They haven't even visited the refugee camps at this point. Yeah. No. And it's uh, I'm glad that you brought up Hillary Clinton, too, because you cannot bring up Haiti without bringing up Hillary Clinton. She's done an unbelievable amount of damage there. But listen, we got to take a quick break. We're going to get some headlines. Hang tight. We're going to be back with more here on today's News Talk.
I got news for you. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump's legal team has appealed to the Supreme Court to dismiss a federal criminal case against him, citing presidential immunity. Israeli forces have unveiled a tunnel network running partially beneath the U.N. Relief and Work Agency's headquarters in Gaza. Fulton County Superior Judge Scott McAfee has stated that a hearing concerning allegations of misconduct against Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade will proceed on February 15th. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, we are here with Professor Danny Shaw. We're talking about his recent trip to Haiti. He's done uh, work there for many years. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, the political situation there. It is um, kind of a disaster. There's been this political vacuum left that these gangs have certainly taken advantage of. And we were talking a bit about that that gang violence. And I think that with the, uh, the way that the political situation is, we also see that the police force um, is completely incapable of handling the amount of violence that is taking place there. I think they're down to 10,000 members. Uh, the... Haiti has 11 million people living there, so um, uh, they don't have a military. So it is really much, uh, it's pretty much that these citizens are just, as you just mentioned, they're left to kind of man their own barricades and really protect themselves uh, from this incredible violence. So talk a little bit about the gangs, because uh, would you say that that's probably the biggest issue currently in Haiti right now is the gang violence that's taking place? Yeah, I don't think we can really separate the paramilitaries from the uh, hunger. More than 50% of Haiti is hungry. Uh, migration is a huge issue because if people don't find hope in their homeland, they're they're forced to migrate to the Dominican Republic or to Florida or really anywhere that they uh, can. Um, I've been looking at these gangs uh, very closely. They don't seem to have an actual objective other than uh, absolute destruction of the historically, yes, extremely poor, um, impoverished, but neighborhoods that have been stable historically. These neighborhoods, uh, Bel Air, Solino, Fort Nacional in downtown Port-au-Prince, these ghettos that have been the home of, of, of millions and millions of people have been under extreme attack uh, for the last three years. For all of the people who've watched Haiti closely over the past few decades, people are used to studying about the Tonton Makuts and all of the extremely violent state uh, outfits used to repress the neighborhoods that I mentioned, but this is almost another level of repression. They're not targeting single individual revolutionary leaders or anti-imperialist leaders. They're burning down uh, their entire communities, their entire uh, neighborhoods. So you now have all these families who, are, who have fled to uh, schools. Uh, they sleep in the schools, 20 families in one uh, classroom. Uh, you can't really call them refugee centers because the government hasn't even gone there. The United Nations is not present. Uh, the U.S. Embassy put out an announcement uh, last year for everyone with U.S. citizenship to return home. It's very difficult to uh, navigate Port-au-Prince and navigate uh, Haiti. It's only because I'm hosted by these different popular grassroots uh, organizations. They give me my cues and my instructions where we can go, where we can't go. So many of these neighborhoods haven't. It hasn't even been. They haven't been visited. There's been no documentation of what they've uh, endured. But what is clear is that these paramilitary outfits have uh, armed with U.S. guns, connected to this uh, governing dictatorial 
uh, uh, party and they're hell-bent on destruction because they understand that if they uh, burn the people's base, the people cannot mobilize and organize and shut down Port-au-Prince against uh, Ariel Henry. Yeah, and it's uh, it seems as if the violence is um, only escalating because in response to the paramilitary gang violence, whatever you want to call it, uh, obviously the people have had to step up. There's now this vigilante movement where they're um, attempting to kind of nip this thing in the bud. Uh, and as I said, they're, I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're forced to kind of, um, you know, protect themselves, protect their own communities. Uh, and in doing so, they're, they're going out and just catching suspected gang members um, who are in the process of committing crimes, things like that. Uh, and really, uh, it seems as if it's just an incredible I mean you were just there what is it like on the streets I mean as you said it's uh, you have to take direction from these groups you have to be very careful about where you go um I'm sure it's incredibly dangerous incredibly violent I'm sure that there's uh constant gunfire things like that what is it like currently on the streets in Haiti yeah there's a saying in Haitian Creole a hungry dog does not play and I think that hunger uh, speaks to the generalized instability, specifically in Port-au-Prince. Uh, one nickname for Haiti is the Republic of Port-au-Prince because everything since colonial French times goes through the capital. So if the capital uh, is not, na you can't navigate through the capital, then how do you get uh, gasoline or food out to the departments or to the provinces uh, gasoline right now is anywhere between $13 per gallon to $15 per gallon when I was in Haiti back in April of last year it was $20 per gallon um inflation it's is, is at 45 percent one of the highest inflation rates in the world so if it was expensive for me coming from the Bronx in New York imagine for the everyday Haitian people the majority of whom earn uh one to two dollars per day uh, if they're lucky. So you have these barricades securing off these neighborhoods and there's constant clashes on the barricades. Um, we're, we're definitely asking for help, for people-to-people -people solidarity. Um, if people can look up Molegaf, M-O-L-E-G-H-A-F, that's one of the grassroots organizations. You'll see a people-to-people -people fundraiser that we have because if we can keep these uh, barricades, quote-unquote, manned, and of course, womaned, um, keep keep the 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 lieutenants the neighborhood leaders there uh well fed because if they're not well fed how can they be on these barricades so that's what i was participating in that's what i was documenting they were giving me an overview of port-au-prince uh, many neighborhoods that were historically yes very very poor um but still dignified and still functioning those neighborhoods have been burned to a crisp so we're trying to educate on and defend the neighborhoods that continue to resist yeah and it's uh you know watching I, I watched a little bit of your uh you did a video on the streets in haiti and you likened it to uh gaza um and i think that that's such an interesting comparison because obviously it makes sense uh if you just look at the the history and things like that the way that both um uh, have been exploited and things like that but it is it's so interesting to me to watch this level of violence uh and it, it, it is insane no coverage <laughs> there is no coverage i mean to be fair i've seen a couple i mean i know that you've been doing the rounds since you got back you've done a couple different shows um and things like that and i uh there's a couple 
um, independent journalists who uh, fairly regularly cover what's happening in Haiti. But generally speaking, there is um, next to no coverage. And I recognize, again, there is a lot going on in the world. There are, I mean, so many things, so many different conflicts, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Gaza or, you know, the tenuous situation with Taiwan and China, or there's a whole host of um, issues going on. But it is, it just, as somebody who is fascinated by narratives and propaganda and the way things are presented to people um, uh, in terms of media and things like that, it's just very interesting to me that there is so little coverage of what's going on because it is such a dramatic situation and has been for a really long time. Um, And, you know, watching these resistance movements attempt to take their country back and watching the way that, um, you know, Haiti has been exploited by the West, in particular the United States, obviously Hillary Clinton. um, uh, I mean, we could do a whole show just on Hillary Clinton (laughs) and Haiti, Um, but uh, not just her, but in general, uh, the Clinton Foundation, all of that stuff, her brother, all of that stuff. Um, But it is just, it's fascinating to me that this doesn't get more coverage or more discussion. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised about mainstream media, but uh, to me, I think, and I'm guilty of this as well. I don't do near enough coverage of this. Um, It's not something I have done several shows uh, over the years, but um, probably not near as uh, as much as it deserves. So uh, I just always find that super interesting. So listen, we got to take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. So how about a little dose of Joe Biden at his best to get you through the weekend? Folks, um, uh, I, uh, if I were smart, I'd say thank you and leave. There's asylum, off- asylum officers and over 100 cutting edge inspe- inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bar? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic, the beer brewed here, <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer here in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's going cost 10 bucks to make it. 10 bucks to make it. We'll teach Donald Trump a, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the minimum. Now, normally this would be humorous, funny, you know, but this is a man who's president of the United States and looking for four more years on the job. It's frightening. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears, eyes. Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here with Professor Danny Shaw. He just returned from Haiti uh, not long ago, maybe a couple weeks or ish, I don't know. Um, uh, And we're talking about uh, the current situation there, which is... um, 
not great uh, to say the least. So uh, last year, I remember uh, the United Nations decided that they were going to send what they called a quote international coalition, which is ridiculous. I love how they couch things. Um, essentially, they were going to invade uh, Haiti again. Um, and you mentioned you touched on this uh, a little bit briefly uh, earlier, um, using uh, you know the Kenyans and things like that. It's so cynical, Professor Shaw, to use. Obviously, I think that the optics of sending white people into Haiti again. Um, um, I think they're probably concerned about that. So they're just going to put a black face on it uh, and call it good. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that situation. And, and uh, I think you mentioned the Bahamians and the Jamaicans as well. Uh, what, is, what is all that about? Yeah, that's what the Black Alliance for Peace, which is an incredible organization yeah. here, stateside doing solidarity with the Haitians. They've called it a blackface invasion and occupation. In 2004, the core group, as it's called, the United States and their junior colonial partners, the French, the Canadians, the uh, Brits, they um, carried out the occupation from 2004 to 2017 and they used the brazilians the sri lankans the nepalese the chileans uh, to occupy haiti the un tries to pass itself off as purely a peacekeeping mission but the truth of the matter in 2004 through 2017 the un went into cité soleil and into fort national uh, the very uh, neighborhoods that i've been discussing they opened fire on protesters they murdered uh, community leaders the un was nothing but a force of destabilization in haiti a, a colonial force i was there in 2004 i was there in 2014 I um, had opportunities to translate for the Haitian uh, leaders on those barricades at that time against the Brazilian soldiers. It was clear that the Brazilian uh, occupying troops had no interest in listening to the Haitian uh, voices. They were just following uh, orders. So it's important to provide the correct context for what colonialism is trying to do with Haiti. Colonialism has many... Um, uses for Haiti, whether it's diplomatic, needing Haiti's vote at, at the Organization of American States, or of course the economic reasons, Haiti continues to have uh, gold mines, uh, iridium mines, and many precious uh, uh, metals that multinational corporations are after. And you'll often read reports and you'll hear about these Canadian and U.S. mining firms that very nonchalantly talk about all of the exploitation and exploitation they do as the Haitian people continue to suffer, die, and are forced to flee their homeland. Yes, and it is, uh, um, you know, the colonial powers that have been, uh, again, the UN, as you just mentioned, the UN, is it ever a force for good? I am starting to question. Uh, but yeah, the way that they have, if anybody just goes and looks, actually, my friend Brad Pierce did a really good, I think he's done two really good. And listen, Brad doesn't mess around. These are deep dives. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to take you a while to read them. They are deep dives, but very well researched, um, you know, very well sourced. Um, uh, his substack is the Wayward Rabbler, uh, but he's done a couple of different really good write-ups on Haiti and the history of that. And I highly recommend everybody go and look at that because I think that, as you just said, 
to context is important here. H historical context is important because this didn't, Haiti didn't arrive to this place um, magically. It didn't, this, none of this has happened in a vacuum. This has been, um, you know, decades, maybe centuries of uh, colonialism that has been, uh, you know, exploiting and taking advantage of Haiti for its own personal benefit. Now, can you talk a little bit about some of the, um, I don't know, gangs or paramilitaries? I don't know which you prefer to label them as, um, because I know that there's uh, at least the one, uh, I'm not, again, not super familiar with, um, you know, uh, the details of the situation, but I, I've heard a whole lot about this barbecue guy, right? Jimmy Cherizier. Um, uh, and he's a very controversial figure. I know that some people find him to be kind of this revolutionary leader. Some people find him to be this repulsive gang leader. Um, what is what is the deal with this guy or just the gang leaders in general? Are some of them, um, uh, is it are some of them attempting to lead people uh, towards a revolution? or is it just kind of um, everybody is out for themselves? Yeah, great question, Misty. I've never heard uh, Haitian leadership. I've never heard the uh, feminist leadership, the peasant leadership, the community leadership. I've never heard any of them say that barbecue, Jimmy Cherizier, is in any way a revolutionary. I've heard a whole spectrum of opinions that he's as bad of a gang boss as the other um mercenaries sanguinary mercenaries i've heard that he is not as violent he's just a businessman and he uses other strong arm tactics but i've asked thousands and thousands of haitians from across uh, every sector of, of of society the same questions and have not heard that they have any faith that uh barbecue is any different though it does seem sociologically true that right now barbecue is not the one carrying out the burning of entire communities that is Kempesanon, that is uh iso these are um mercenaries these are heads uh um they're heads of um death squads uh, armed with uh, the, the the most modern, sophisticated Israeli Galils, uh, U.S. automatic weapons, somewhere between half a million to a million illegal U.S. weapons and Israeli weapons have made their way uh, into the Caribbean, into the Palestine of the Caribbean that, that, that Haiti is. We made that connection uh, earlier. Um, these gangs or paramilitary outfits rampage from one neighborhood to the next. Their uh, preferred weapon is is fire. They want to dispirit and demoralize uh, these populations that have resisted neocolonialism and before it colonialism for um, so long. And this strategy has been to loot to indiscriminately uh, practice sexual violence against young women, uh, young girls. And, and that's what I've been uh, documenting, going into the neighborhood where it's possible to go. There's many neighborhoods that are extremely cut off that not even the Haitian leaders themselves can get into. And again, it comes back to all these different parallels between Port-au-Prince and Gaza. Uh, Port-au-Prince is 2.5 million people. Gaza has 2.3 million people, you know, minus however many have been killed at this point. It's over 30,000, yeah. but I think that that number could be two or three times when you include all the children and elderly and who's trapped under the rubble. So I made a, a video at Prof Danny Shaw, at Prof uh, Danny Shaw, that people can check out striking these uh, similarities, raising these 
this parallel situation, who controls the water in Port-au-Prince, who controls the water in Gaza, who controls the electricity and the internet in both places, who controls the the, the imports and the exports and the movement of, of people. So there are so many uh, uh, similarities between the two colonial situations. Yes. And you're absolutely, yes. And that's when I saw that uh, a brief video that you did where you made that comparison, it struck me because it's not really a comparison I had ever made in my head before for whatever reason, but it is, I mean, the, the similarities are pretty striking. And I think that um, uh, uh, obviously people are very, and rightfully so, I don't mean to say that people shouldn't be focused on Gaza. Obviously you should be, there's a literal genocide taking place right now. But I think that uh, again, it's just always fascinating to me that, um, you know, Gaza gets as much attention as it does while Haiti gets little to none. Uh, it is think that that's super interesting. So can you tell, I mean, obviously we're just in Haiti. Um, I'm always curious about the um, the human side of the story. And I'm sure that you spoke to many locals, you have connections there, um, people that take you in and make sure that you're safe while you're there. Um, what is the general feeling of the people of Haiti? I mean, are they hopeful? Um, are they, uh, you know, what are they, what are they expecting? Are they, uh, I mean, is it going to get worse for them? Um, obviously with the UN and the West involved, it's probably not looking good. Um, but listen, uh, the, the Haitian people are unbelievably resilient, everything that they've had to do with. And again, I'm just basing that on my own um, meager knowledge of it. I mean, I know a little bit about a lot of things. This is one of those things I know a little bit about. Um, and uh, but they, I mean, incredibly resilient people. They've managed to withstand quite a bit um, uh, uh, over the years. So what is the general feel uh, of the average Haitian person uh, right now? The average Haitian person is doing everything to flee their homeland, not because they want to, but because they're forced to. Um, yeah. There's this program called um, Pogwam Biden, the Joe Biden visa program. So across Haiti, I mean, the Haitian currency, the Haitian good has been thoroughly uh, devalued. It's 133 goods for one uh, U.S. dollars. So the Haitians are an extremely proud people, but they're also, of course, going to follow uh, the very capital, the very wealth that's been uh, drained from their country and accumulated, whether it's in Miami or, or Paris or Montreal. Uh, so they don't leave because of lack of patriotism. They leave because of objective necessity. So that's the first thing you're going to hear uh, from millions and millions of Haitians. They want to know how they can get into the Biden visa program and be one of the uh, quote unquote lucky 40,000. Uh, that's the Biden program that 40,000 visas have been allotted for Haiti, 40,000 for Nicaragua, Cuba, and in, in, in Venezuela. Um, so people are doing everything. When you get to uh, JFK Airport or Logan Airport in Boston, JFK here in New York, there's two lines for U.S. citizens. And then they just say Biden, Biden, Biden with no other words. So if you're in the Biden line, that means you just got into this visa program. So they kind of dangle that in a very uh, colonial way to say, well, if you're one of the lucky ones, you can escape to the United States. And Haiti is a country that depends on remittances. Uh, it's the money sent back by the Jaspoa. Jaspoa is the Creole word for the diaspora, for the Haitian Americans and the French Haitians who send back the dollars and the euros. And there's a huge dependency on this. And now you have all this political turmoil with Guy Philippe. Uh, he was the State Department agent who led the coup against Aristide in 2004. And um, Guy Philippe has had strikes and um, violent protests across the country. So a lot of people couldn't even get to Western Union a week and a half ago, right before I came back. So they couldn't even try to get their money from 
uh, Western Union. And you mentioned the Haiti-Palestine connection. I think it's worth uh, noting so many of the conferences and events we did, and radio is huge in Haiti because people don't have access uh, all the time to internet or to um, electricity. There was always a Palestinian flag or a kafia uh, presence. So the Haitians have always been uh, internationalists. They'll be the first ones to remind us that it was the Haitians that supported Simon Bolivar in the independence movement in uh, Gran Colombia in the uh, 1800s. The Haitians uh, inspired Denmark, Vesey, and, and Nat Turner and others who led slave rebellions here in the U.S. And I did want to mention this book, uh, Aid State, by Jake Johnston that just came out last week, Elite Panic, Disaster Capitalism, The Battle to Control Haiti. It's the latest hot book um, on Haiti. It'll uh, walk you through how the assassination of Jovenel Moise played out in 2021. And, and it's a great framework to understand that all of this aid is not aid. The way the Haitians frame it is that colonialism has its uh, right hand of repression, uh, uh, liquidating the popular movements, and then they come in with their liberal hands sprinkling crumbs and charity and, and pity on the Haitian people to control all facets of Haitian life. The Haitians have always rejected this charity model, this neoliberal model, and it's time that we listen to the Haitian people. 100%. And yeah, we do that a lot. We often um, <laughs> couch it as this is hate. This is aid. This is humanitarian aid. It's never humanitarian aid. It is. Uh, it's really. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if bribes the right word. It is. It's just really us um, seeking power and control, and we just use that as a as a weapon. Essentially, we just use that kind of aid as a weapon. I'm really glad that you brought up the fact that a lot of. I mean, I'm not because it's terrible that uh, Haitians feel as if as if they need to flee their homeland. But that's a point that I often try to drive home because I think that so many people miss that our foreign policy. There's so many people, especially Republicans, my Republican friends, please open your ears right now. You're you're complaining about uh, immigration. You're complaining about migrants. You're complaining about all of the stuff and the border crisis and all. Okay, then can we stop destroying these countries? Because that's why people flee. The people of Haiti don't want to leave their country. They're being forced to leave their country by our interventions, by colonialism, by Western empire. That is what happens. And that's the case across the board. Generally speaking, people don't want to leave their homes. They do not want to leave everything that they've ever known in their families and their houses and their history. They don't want to do that. They are forced to do that out of necessity. As Professor Shaw just said, they have to leave because they are left with no other uh, option. I mean, especially if you uh, if you're somebody that has kids. Has, I mean, I, I often try to put myself in the shoes of others, and it, I have two kids. And if I were in a situation where I was living in Haiti and there was rampant gang violence and sexual assault and uh, murder and fires and all of that stuff, I would do whatever I had to do to get out of there and to get my kids out of there. Um, and so, it, you know, if you care about the border crisis, if you care about immigration, if you care about all the, then we need to start focusing on what our foreign policy uh, is creating around the world because it's creating a situation where people have to flee out of necessity. So I'm really glad that you uh, that you brought that point up. Uh, I'm going to get that book too. Uh, I love to read um, and uh, I'll definitely pick that book up. Uh, highly recommend it to everybody else too. It's always good to, um, you know, get more information about these situations, especially these, uh, again, these the, ne never any coverage, right? And it's, it's certainly not any in-depth coverage. You might get you know, a two or four minute segment on mainstream media every once in a while where they, um, you know, spin things and there's narrative management and all of that stuff. You're never getting the truth there. So um, definitely, I would say, uh, you know, try to educate yourself. And again, I need to do that as well. But um, so uh, do you have any plans to go back to Haiti uh, anytime soon? I know that you're, you know, teaching and things. Is there, uh, do you have any plans to go back anytime soon? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I always try to uh, go back and just uh, continue to collect the testimonies I'll be publishing in the upcoming uh, weeks with um, NACLA, North American Congress on uh, Latin America, uh, with Truth Out, with the Haitian Times, continually trying to document. There's so many different Haitian leaders, some who've been assassinated, some are still, are still, al still alive. That's one of the colonial racist tropes that they use against Haiti, that Haiti, Haiti has no leadership. Well, that's because the U.S. media chooses to focus on the tyrants and beef up these uh, petty dictators like Michel Martelly, like Guy Philippe. People should really look closely at Guy Philippe. He was the main State Department agent that led the coup in 2004. He was just released from a U.S. prison in, in uh, at the very beginning of, of, of December. He's back in Haiti. He's sowing chaos. He now claims to be a revolutionary. I don't know anyone who's worked for the CIA could be a revolutionary. That's called a counter-revolutionary. A counter so there's always a lot to discuss on Haiti. I'm, I'm constantly... Uh, back and forth. I always have a renewed sense of anti-imperialist hope. So indeed, I'll be Excellent. going back. Well, I look forward to reading uh, some of your breakdowns of your recent trip. Uh, and uh, everybody can go check out Danny at, uh, at P-R-O-F uh, Danny Shaw. Obviously, you can find links to all of his stuff. He's also got a link tree over there on his Twitter. So uh, go check him out, follow along, support the work uh, and share it with everybody so that people can get informed about what's happening in Haiti. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea is right after this here on today's News Talk.